Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. If uh, today you can take your uh, Bible, take your phone, go to Matthew chapter 25. I want to talk about your gift today. I want to talk about your gift today. Before we go on, let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to share the Bible, the Word of God. Lord, this book has been been in existence long before we got here. It will be in existence long after we leave here. It is forever. It's eternal, Lord. It has the ability to do something to the inside of a person that nothing else can do, and and we are students of it. None of us here, God, uh, can say that we've mastered it, but we're all elementary. We're all in the school of the Word of God. Today we ask the Holy Spirit to come to lead us, to guide us, to build our faith in God, not in the faith of this world, not in the faith of, faith of men, but in the faith of Jesus. And so we pray that you'll do that. We know it. Make our hearts ready to receive. Let our minds be attentive, God. And for all this, we're going to give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a story in the Bible. It's in Matthew chapter 21. Excuse me, Matthew chapter 25. It starts in verse number 14. It's called the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents. And the talents, of course, in this particular passage is speaking of a a sum of money, but it's kind of about what heaven is like, what heaven's about, what the kingdom of God's about. Chapter, Chapter 25, verse 14 begins like this. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each one according to his own ability, and he went on a journey. He who had received the five talents went and traded with them, made another five talents. Likewise, he who had received two talents uh, gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. He who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to them, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. I've gained two more talents. Look, besides them. The Lord said to them, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He had received the one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, here you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not gathered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received bank back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more will be given. He will have abundance, but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The story there is, of course, talking about money in that particular day. But ironically, talents today is not talking. When we use the word talent, we don't talk about money. We talk about gifts and abilities, don't we? Things that have been given to us that we're just naturally good at. It's a, it's a characteristic. It's an ability or a capability. 
And God shows us what we're to do with those abilities and those capabilities. Now, I brought a present today to help illustrate this point, and I would like to know who would like my present this morning. Would you like to open my present? This is my gift to you. Okay. Hang on just a second. We're getting there. What is it? It's a toaster. It's a toaster. Now, that toaster is my gift to you. You can, you can open the rest of it when we get done. That's my, that's my gift to you. Now, how many spots, spaces are there in that toaster? Two spaces in that toaster. That means there's enough toast for you and a friend. Now, if you take that toaster and stick it in your cabinet and never use it, that would hurt my feelings because I gave you that gift for you, right? But not just for you because there's two slots in it. I gave you that toaster so that you could share that with somebody else. Would you share your toaster with Jordan? Probably. Good. Would you share that toaster with your mother? Yes, absolutely. See, the gift is the most beneficial not just when it's used for, to be hidden in a, in a cabinet. It's not when it's best to be used when it's just used for the person who, who received it. The gift is the best when it's used not just for you, but if it's used for somebody else as well. That's the whole, whole crux of our, our parable this morning, that God gave you and I a gift. And that gift is wonderful. And that gift is something he gave just specifically for you. It's that talent that he gave you, and it's, 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 it's best utilized when it's used for somebody else around you. Now, when she used it for someone else, it was the best use of it. And our gifts honor God best when we use them for other people. Now, in this particular passage, it says it uses the talent of, it talks about money. Now, a, a talent in that day, they believe, was somewhere around $600,000. So it was not just any kind of just a, a handful of change that was used. So if that be the case, then five talents would have be, okay, where's Brenda Sullivan? She's the math teacher. 600000 was one talent. How many would be five talents? Three million. Tonight's sermon will be on math. I got 30,000. I got 300,000. Two talents would be, and one talent was 600,000. So, of course, we say something like this today, that it was just quite a sum of money. So the gift that God gave you is really, really valuable. It's valuable to him. And he entrusted that to me and you to be used to better the world that we live in. The talents, we can say this, they're from God. In verse 14, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. The thing that God gave you that you're just naturally good at just seems to always have been one of those things that you just have a knack for. It's not something that's yours. It's actually something that he gave to you. It says he entrusted his servants and delivered his goods to them. Throughout history, you and I have been blessed to watch people who've used their gifts for God. We've watched people use their gifts for God in business, in the area of medicine, 
in the area of parenting, in the area of teaching, in the area of church, all the different things that we've watched God's, the abilities God's give mankind to bless those around them. And those gifts that we see in men are not theirs. They were loaned to them by God to be used for those around them. What's true about receiving the gospel is the same thing about receiving those gifts. 1 Corinthians 4 and 6 says, What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? It's hard for me to brag about something that's not mine but was given to me. See, God entrusted men with, so many, with, with a great mind, with great hands, with quick feet. He's gifted men with all different types of abilities and aptitudes. And those things that he's given were not given for us to hold on to ourselves and, be, and say, oh, that's mine. It's something we're to say and recognize it came from God. It's to be used for his plan and his purposes. You say, well, I don't, never thought I was good at anything, Pastor Kerry. I don't really do anything good. It's that, so your question is, what is it? What is that thing that God has given me? It's that thing that you're just kind of really naturally good at. Maybe something great, maybe something small. It's just something that you just kind of seem to do and never really think about how you learned it. You just say, I don't know how I do it, I just do it. Some of you have incredible gifts in construction. And you'd say things like, well, I guess I learned that from my dad. I learned construction from my dad, and I still can't construct stuff. I have two, when I do one project, and I do it twice, the wrong time and then the right time. It's those things that you're just good at, that, you know, you're just naturally a leader. When you're in kindergarten, everybody just kind of followed you around. Or it's kids, every, when, you were, when you were a teenager, they just kind of followed you everywhere you went. Or you're good at business, numbers just are always, it makes sense in your head. You can draw just incredibly good. You have art skills. You have a discernment. You just walk into a room and you just know that you know that something ain't right. The thing is, is this is wonderful to think about all the gifts that God's given. He says this, when Jesus went to hell, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Gave you abilities and talents and things that you can use for the kingdom of God. You ever wondered how David could slay Goliath? You ever thought about a teenage boy who came up against this mighty warrior Somehow it was, it was one nation against another nation, and this teenage boy with just a rock and a sling defeated an entire uh, nation in this mighty man called Goliath. How did he do that? How could God win such a victory for, like the, for David like that? Because he implanted something in David in his DNA when he was born, something he just kind of wrapped up in there that would be able to defeat a giant. I like how Colossians 3 says it. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Something that we use just for God. It's just for Him. It's for His purposes and His plans. I want you to say this with me. I have skill. I have talent. I have gifts. I'm competent. I'm intelligent. Big word. I have resourcefulness. I have prowess. I have something to offer this world that nobody else has. And that's God-given. So we, here's the thing. We can't undervalue what we've been given. 
because yours doesn't look like mine, and mine doesn't look like yours, and mine doesn't look like the guys on television, it can't be undervalued what God's placed in you. Remember he said this, somebody was given five talents, somebody was given two talents, and somebody was given one talent. And do you know the one that the master was the hardest on? The one that had the least amount. He was toughest on him because it didn't matter the size of the gift. It didn't matter the amount of money. What mattered is what he did with it that counted to the master. It's the same way with God. It doesn't matter if you've been given five or two or one. He's going to call, call, ask you to call you to account for what you've been given. In other words, it doesn't matter what your race looks like. Just run your race. Don't run my race. What if you were to use your gifts and your abilities in my race? Wouldn't work, would it? What happens if I used my took your race and used my gifts? Or maybe I went to, 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 to Jordan, borrowed her gifts to run your race. It wouldn't work, would it? When I take the gifts and the abilities that God's given me by design from Jesus, no matter how great or small, and I use them to run my race, that's what's going to make the master pleased. The reward that we receive was based on increase, taking what you have and growing it and developing it. When I first started preaching, you know, you listened to lots of preachers. Back then, we didn't have podcasts. We had uh, those cassette tapes. So I'd listen to preaching on cassette tapes. And there was one particular preacher. His name is Dane Hall. I thought he was a great preacher. He's a pastor in Cersei down the road right now. And I remember listening to him, and I'd listen to how he would raise his voice at certain times, and then he would drop his voice at certain times. I watched how he would quote the Scripture at times, then I watched other times while he would just be silent. And I thought, if I can just do that, be just like him, and preach just like him, I'll think I'll be a great preacher. And so one Sunday morning, I got out, and I stood in front of a group of people, and I thought, I'm going to be just like Dane. And I preached just like Dane. I had the same points, the same rises at times, and same got quiet at other times. I quoted Scripture at times, and guess what happened? Nothing. It was horrible. It was terrible. I mean, the people sat there and looked at me like, that was probably the worst thing I've ever heard. Because, see, God did not design Carrie to be Dane. He designed Dane to be Dane and Carrie to be Carrie. So what I'm trying to do is just be the best version of me I can be. And that means you don't have to be me. You don't have to be somebody else. You're just, God wants you to be the best version of you that you can be. That took all the weight in the world off of me. Then I thought, I don't have to be him. Because the gift that God's given me, he wants me to use it just like I can for him. Now, listen to the great apostle Paul. He was big on this subject. He was big on this topic about using the, and he calls those gift graces. Listen to what he says. Romans chapter 12, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you. He recognized that what he was given was something really a favor that God had given him, and he was to use it for those around him. In this particular case, it was being able to speak in front of people. He says, the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you. He recognized that even the ability to speak in front of people was a grace that God had given. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. 
Every church that Paul established when he went on his journeys, the churches that he established, he, he established those churches because God had given them the grace to do that as a master builder. 1 Corinthians 15.10, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So not only did that, did he recognize the grace God had given him, but he worked hard at that particular grace to be used of God. And then he talks about the gifts of the Spirit, Romans 12, 6, having spiritual gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them in proportion to our faith. Faith. So when things happened in church, when the Spirit of God began to move and, and there was healings that took place and tongues and interpretation that took place, and discerning of spirits, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the word of understanding, when those things came to place, he recognized that was a grace that God had given to benefit and bless the church. Lastly, Ephesians 4, 7, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. He recognizes that what those things are that we're good at, that God gave to us, is nothing more than the grace of God. Now, notice how if you look at verse 20, the expectation was, was that, that grace and that talent be increased. It was not good enough for it just to kind of be, be maintained. The master expected that that talent would be increased. So, we, so he had received five talents, came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more. The Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few. I'll make you ruler over many. The workers were rewarded, but the wishers were punished. Can I invite you to talk to listen to Miss Leanne for just a minute? I'm gonna have her come talk to you about workers and wishers. It's the exact thing she teaches when she goes into the schools and talks to students. Would you give her about three minutes to talk about workers versus wishers? Well, uh, you know, I teach this empowered program in the schools, and so I always write workers on the board and wishers on the board. And I say, in this world, there are two types of people. There are workers and there are wishers. And then I give a couple of examples. I talk about my friend Julia. When we were about 45-ish, we decided we were going to get fit at 50. By the time we turned 50, we were going to be fit and then I'll say, one of us was a worker, and one of us was a wisher. And all the kids are going, kind of looking me up and down, kind of like trying to figure out, were you the worker or were you the wisher? And I was the wisher. I say, I was the wisher. Because at 5 o'clock in the morning when that alarm went off and it was time to meet Julia at the gym, I turned that alarm off, rolled over, and went back to sleep. But Julia got up, and she went to the gym. When I was having Coke and French fries, Julia was eating salad and having water. Julia went to work for that goal. I just wished for the goal, right? Now, is it fair for workers to hate on wishers? And Julia, I don't want to be around Julia. And Julia is fit, y'all. She has back muscles. Who knew that you could even have back? Who cares about back muscles in the first place? She is fit. But would it be right for me to go, well, I wish I would look like Julia. Well, every time Julia is around, she wants to talk about fitness. Julia is a fitness instructor today in Jonesboro, Arkansas, because Julia went to work. I look worse than I do, do now than I did when I was 45 because I was a wisher. So there's workers and the wishers and the the workers, the wishers cannot hate on the workers, and the workers cannot wait around on the wishers. Because what would have happened if Julia had said, well, I better not go to the gym because Leanne's not going. Well, okay, I'll have chips and dip because that's what Leanne ordered. Julie, workers, 
Can't wait on the wishers. Wishers can't hate on the workers. There's a reward. In all this story, at the very end, the thing that we have to be reminded of, there's a reward. And the reward is this. If you take Matthew 25, this similar story is in Luke chapter 19. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to take, give, you the, give you the long and the short of it. In Luke 19, he uses a different example. He doesn't use talents. He uses what's called a mina. Mina, once again, is a, is a sum of money. And he's talking about one person that gets 10 minas and he makes 20, one that gets 5 minas and he makes 10. And so he once again, he's, he's, he's accommodating or complimenting those that did that. But he's also saying this to the one who didn't gain anything. And so he says this. He says the one that gained 10, he said he gained 20. Had 10, he gained 20. He said, well done, good and faithful service. He gave him 10 cities. 10 cities. Now, I got to thinking about that, and I thought God's going to reward how we use our gifts and abilities in this world in the next world. So my question is this, what do you get for using your ability for God right now? Well, what, what's, that, what's that thing? The Bible says in Revelation chapter 5, verse number 10, it says, And have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on earth. God's made you and I kings and priests in the next life. In the millennial reign, when Jesus comes, sets up shop here on earth, and he is king of kings and lord of lords over heaven and earth, he has to have somebody help him to reign and rule here on earth. Just like a king has princes and, and he has governors and different people, the Lord may just use you and I to, to, to rule cities in this particular world during that thousand-year millennial reign. I said this this past week to a couple teenage boys, and they looked at me like I had three heads. I said, it makes sense to me. If he's the king of the world, he's got to have people to rule the world. Who better to use than people that are his own people? And so I got to thinking then, how is it based? Who does he decide who he will use to rule in this world with him? Those who are faithful with the gifts and the abilities and the capabilities he gave them on earth. So that means that it's not just for no other reason. You say, well, my gift is to take care of a grandson. They just love me. They just seem to connect, and, and they, we have the best time together. If that's what the gift that God's given you, do it the best you know how. If your gift, gift is teaching third graders, do it the best that you know how. If your gift is making money, do it the best that you know how. Help me out. If your gift, gift is cooking, if your gift is leadership, if your gift is, is painting or drawing or singing, if your gift, gift is singing, use your gift for the kingdom of God. Because there's something, there's a reward on the other side of it that you're not going to want to miss out. In the 1940s, there was a man who at the age of 65 was living off of Social Security. He made $125 a month on Social Security. He had sold the restaurant that he had lived in, excuse me, that he had, he had owned, and was now living in a small house and driving a beat-up car. He decided at 65 he was going to make a change in his life, and he, was, he asked the question, what did he have to offer that other people may benefit from? What gift did he have that he could give to others that would really help other people? He thought about it. 
And he, he went, his mind went to this fried chicken recipe that he had developed through all the years he'd worked in a restaurant. He decided that he would, and his families and friends loved it, but he decided he would leave his home state of Kentucky and travel throughout the country and try to sell his recipe to restaurants. One after the other after the other, he got declined. A thousand and nine restaurants turned him down. The thousand-tenth said, okay, we'll use your recipe and we'll give you a percentage of everything, of every piece of chicken that was sold. After all the rejections, after all he believed in it and believed what he was in his recipe, and this man, the story goes that that recipe took off. It began to go into restaurants. They began to franchise this particular chicken. This man's name was Colonel Harlan Sanders, and today there are over 3,500 franchises of Kentucky Fried Chicken. He used his gift, a chicken recipe, to change the world around him. How many have ever benefited from Colonel Harlan Sanders' chicken recipe? Hallelujah. Theodore Giesel, he wrote little jingles for advertising. He drew little pictures that they would use to, to sell products for different companies. And he made his living do that, but he knew that God had something more for him. And so one day he was riding on a boat down a river, and he noticed that the boat, it had a certain rhythm to it, a hum to it. And so as he listened to that hum, he got the idea, he thought, maybe I could make a book, a children's book that had kind of a rhythm to it or a hum to it. So he, he, he wrote a book called It Happened Down on Mulberry Street, and he went to take that book to different publishers to see if they would be interested in publishing his children's book. 37 times he was turned down by book publishers to the, to the point that after the 37th one turned him down, he was walking home to go and burn the manuscript when he bumped into one of his old college buddies. He happened to be a publisher for a book in his own very town. And as the story goes, that man published that book. It became a children's book. It became a series of ch children's book. And today, Dr. Seuss has written and published over 650 million copies of his books, uh, Dr. Seuss. You may not have 3,500 franchisees in your future. You may not have a bunch of books in your future. But you got a gift. God-given, implanted into you to be exercised and used for the kingdom of God. You may have to become a worker and not a wisher. You may have to do, you have to put some work into it. But can I tell you, when you stand before God, there is a result, there is a reward waiting for you that God will use me and you to, to lead this world in the millennial reign. That gift, that ability that God put in you, I want you to, right now, just a minute, I want you to come and pray and ask God, God, I give this gift to you for whatever you have for me to use it for. Now, before we do that, I have to give you one little bit, just kind of a, a, uh, a disclaimer. Because there's a reward for using the gift, but there's a punishment if you don't use the gift. The man who did not use his talent, he went and hid it in the ground. I mean, it's a very telling picture of what he did. He dug a hole, put it in the ground, and didn't do anything with it, just left it there. The one who left it in the ground, when he came back, the master called him a wicked servant. 
Not only did he take what he had away from him and gave it to the person who had more, but he said he pushed him outside where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. Listen, friend, I want you to know something. There's a reward for it, but there's a punishment for not using it. But my question to do you today is, what will you do with your gift? Father, in the name of Jesus, today we come, and what a privilege you've implanted into each person. And you did it so wonderfully, God. You didn't move one person. You didn't give to one and not give to another. Every person, God, has been given something from you. It's that thing that is just natural. It's that thing that sometimes we just seem to accomplish without even trying. But I pray today not one person, not one person will miss out on utilizing and capitalizing on this wonderful ability that you've given them. No matter what it might look like, God, no matter how, if it's five or three or two or one, no matter how, what the size of it is, but that we'll use it for Jesus. I pray that, God, and ask it in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the Word of God and grows your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.